Hello, how's it going, Fede? Hey, Seb. Thank, thank you so much for, for the invite. Really excited to get uh, into the roadmap and, and talk about like uh, a lot of spicy stuff with you today. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm also interested in getting into some spicy stuff, if, if you have some spice for me. Um, so people in the chat were saying that they can't hear me very well, and I wonder if that's better. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay, Fede? Yeah, I can. Okay, great. Um, so, yeah, so you were on four months ago. This was uh, around, I guess it was around the merge. And at that point, um, you know, the there was there had been the Nomad hack uh, not so long before that. And uh, I think, you know, for you guys, it was a period where you're trying to get some footing also uh you know, on, on a number of things, it really feels like in the last four or five months, um, a lot of the vision, the Evmos vision and roadmap has kind of cleared up. At least that's my feeling. Um, how would you say things have evolved since you were last on uh, in, uh, I guess it was October? Yeah, I mean... As you said, we're definitely a more mature organization as a whole. Um, our team has grown significantly in size and um, we move together from a startup phase to something that we're like working like a Swiss clock um, in, in the sense of like, we're creating all these processes together, um, working together with engineering, marketing. You probably see saw our new marketing um, related videos. Those are also from our, our new hire. Um, we also hired uh, people in, in product that uh, can help us coordinate and, and do more user research, try to identify what are the user needs and, and how we incorporate that feedback directly into engineering or business development on our roadmap more in general. So yeah, I think, as you mentioned, we are more mature in terms of an organization and and, and I believe that the roadmap that we published last week definitely reflects that. Yeah, well, we'll get into the roadmap. Um, the roadmap has a lot. I mean, it, it does have a sort of feature uh, and technical improvement aspect to it where you, you list some of the things that are expected to come in Evmos this year. But I think uh, beyond that, it attempts to lay out a, a vision for where Evmos sits in the interchain. And this is something even for me that, you know, when describing Evmos to people or, or talking about it with, uh, you know, investors or like builders in the space, you know, it wasn't super clear to me always what Evmos's role would be in the broader interchain uh, ecosystem. And, you know, I always saw it as kind of a, 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 I guess a, a hub, if you will, like not to borrow the Cosmos Hub's term, sure. but you know, a sort of hub between the interchain and the EVM world. Um, but you know, it, we also have bridges, right, who, that can perform that function. So, yeah, please like explain what is the vision that you guys are putting forth here in the manifesto, and where you see Evmos's role in the next like you know five years or some 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 timeline like that. Yeah, the the. Evmos manifesto basically, and, and the roadmap in general that we prepared uh, for this week, basically outlines a future of uh, more EVM chains. 
where the EVM has become the dominant um, like stack for building smart contracts. There are more EVM developers than in any other um, like stack like Cosmosm or, or even like building application specific blockchains in Cosmos or in other ecosystems. And so we see that in the future, there will be like more needs for uh, for EVM specific chains where like the EVM is catering to specific use cases um, according to developer needs or business needs. And so for this, um, we believe that in the future, it's the multi-chain strategy that our ecosystem as a whole has been implementing uh, where you have like applications being deployed on multiple chains, like multiple instances of the same application is gonna, it's not gonna be able to scale in the long run. And on the opposite side, we're um, proposing a future where you will be able to only deploy one instance of your smart contracts and fully interoperate via IVC um, bridges uh, using the EVM and, and other interoperability mechanisms with um, other, not only smart contracts, but also chains in the ecosystem and thus expanding your outreach as a developer to other ecosystems and other um, applications that you weren't able to leverage before for your business cases. And so the Evmos Manifesto basically outlines like, like that vision um, that in the long term will have like a fully interoperable, fully interoperable applications using IVC, using EVM bridges, and that in order to get there, we need to work on certain engineering and, and business development components. And this is basically what the Evmos Manifesto outlines through these like Evmos and the applications of the future. Uh, you're muted. Can you explain then what these applications of the future would look like? So there's like, there's this chart there where you've got like Aave on Ethereum and Cosmos and, you know, on Avalanche and all these other chains and they're separate and not connected. And then there's there's the Evmos vision where Aave is on Evmos. And then that is, I guess, kind of leveraged to connect to all these other chains. What, um, can you explain like, how that plays out, practically speaking. Yeah, um, I see multiple examples of these um, applications of the future today um, in Cosmos and, and how they're leveraging IVC and interoperability protocol that uh, made Cosmos famous to kind of like create these um, applications of the future. Um, like one big question that I get a lot is like, do you, um, how you build um, TVL natively on Evmos, um, but I said like, well, Osmosis TVL on like Evmos, Evmos TVL on Evmos is, sorry, on Osmosis um, is high, and we can like leverage Osmosis through, for example, um, Osmosis Outpost. That's a specific application of the future, like where you build composability with. Uh, projects or chains or decentralized applications that aren't available in your individual chain, but you can connect to them and interoperate with them via IVC. Another concrete example could be, for example, um, like Somalier that is building these kind of um, EVM, uh, sorry, Ethereum coprocessor um, 
that is directly connecting to Ethereum via a gravity bridge instance. And so by leveraging interoperability, users and developers can access liquidity sources, uh, applications, smart contracts, chains in general um, that weren't able to be reached before. And so this is, these are like two particular um, examples of applications of the future. And when we take that into the decentralized application level and, and smart contract level, then we're talking about, okay, by definition, um, all these DeFi applications work as money Legos on Ethereum. What happens when you have Legos that you need for your application, but they're not available uh, on your chain? What can you do if you don't have like an Oracle service, for example? How can you leverage oracles that are available on other EVM chains? And for that, we believe that in the future, uh, through interoperability, you will be able to access these like uh, applications via IVC, for example, and only use one single instance. Okay, there's there's still some things that are uh, like a bit unclear to me here. So, can, can you explain, so practically speaking, you know, let's use this this Ave example. Where, you know, currently Ave is deployed on mainnet Ethereum. They have contracts on other on other chains. They have some sort of a bridging mechanism that allows liquidity to move between the Ethereum chain and those those other sort of layer twos where Ave uh, is is deployed. Also layer ones. You know, if you know, fast forward in into the, the, a, a future where your vision uh, is is fully uh, is fully deployed. What would what would be different? Like, what would that tangibly look like? Yeah, like we expect that in the future, um, as a developer, instead of like choosing which uh, application to or, or like which EVM chain to develop your own DeFi application, um, you will have like one alternative, which will be like developing on Atmos or another Atmos SDK chain and launching your instance there, deploying your smart contract there, and thus being accessible by the entire ecosystem. In this case, um, we're talking about uh, Aave, and then if you deploy that Aave instance to Evmos, then it will be accessible not only by um, smart contracts that are available on Evmos, but they will also be available by smart contracts and DeFi apps available on other EVM-compatible chains. They will be, Aave will be accessible by smart contracts uh, from like Cosmo Wasm are run compatible chains, but and they will also be accessible. Um, they will also be accessible by uh, non EVM or non smart contracts chains, like for example, Cosmos have at this uh, moment, or 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 Somalia is another uh, example of an application that leverages smart contracts in this in this case, like Aave on Ethereum, but through interoperability, they can create like all these use cases as an application specific blockchain. And so in the future, you will only have one instance that can access all the entire ecosystem of application chains, no matter which VM, which VM you're using. Um, and it will be like fully accessible by everyone. Okay, I think it's starting to make sense to me. So what it sounds like is it, it, it's it's, it sounds a little bit like like the the vision of the Cosmos SDK and the interoperability benefits that you get from building with the Cosmos SDK, but extended yeah. to the EVM. And what 
and what makes that possible is the fact that Evmos, um, powered by you know Evmos SDK, aka Ethermint, allows IBC like interoperability between, uh, well, with with an like EVM. All, all the EVMs, all the smart contracts within the EVM, yeah. all the smart contracts within Cosmos awesome chains, and also uh, non EV not. Uh, non-smart contract chains, like for example, in this case, I, I just named some like of the Cosmos Hub. Cosmos, yeah. Cosmos Hub. So I think I, I think I understand the the Cosmos side, and I think most of the listeners will kind of get how Evmos yeah. works with you know interoperability between Evmos and Cosmos contracts and any IBC chain works. The part that's a little bit fuzzy for me is when you say, you know, a, an EVM. Uh, SDK deployment, sorry, Evmos SDK deployment would be interoperable with you know any smart contract on like a non Evmos SDK chain. So like, I don't know, you've got a contract over on Gnosis chain. Uh, what makes that interoperability possible? Uh, because in my current sort of mental framework, you have to have some kind of a bridge there or like a ZK uh, you know, bridge that allows these chains to verify their state or something yeah. like that doesn't quite exist yet, but yeah. So I think like in the future there will be like, and this is more like a prediction in terms of like how the ecosystem, like the Cosmos ecosystem is evolving over time is that IBC is, is going to be deployed uh, on, on non-Cosmos chains as well. Like for the mm -hmm. ones that have like, Fast instant finality and have BFT consensus. It will be like the preferred um, way of interoperating with it, with uh, other chains within like their ecosystem and also interoperate with the chains in the ecosystem. And there will be adapters as well to other ecosystems. Like for example, um, uh, I think what's the name? Composable is working on an adapter for IVC with. Polkadot ecosystem. So there'll be like single chains that will serve as like the point of entry to those ecosystems so that we have like clusters of interoperability implementing different standards of the interoperability. And we believe Evmos is going to become this point of entry for the entire EVM ecosystem um, based on our, our technology and, and our, um, yeah, and, and, our, and our developer experience as well. Okay. So so what you're saying is that like currently in, in the, but what you're saying is that this EVM to EVM interoperability uh, would be possible because of IBC. Right. Um, it's, it's not currently possible, but will be, would be possible in, in the future. That, that Yeah. So this level of composability will be enabled uh, uh, due to IBC, but I think like smart contract, um, smart contract based uh, bridges uh, on the EVM side, and they're also, transitioning slowly to interoperability that is not only like token transfers, but also more like general, like data calls. Uh, Cross-chain messaging. Cross-chain yeah. messaging. Um, I think like Chainlink is also building their own interoperability. Um, they're also building their interoperability um, standard. Um, I know that Axler is working towards this goal of like serving this general message passing uh, between EVM chains uh, at a more general level, not only like token transfers. Um, so there will be multiple ways or multiple standards that Evmos uh, application developers could use to 
to leverage this interoperability, not only within the Evmos and the Cosmos ecosystem, but also with the EVM, the pocket ecosystem through these adapters. Hmm. Um, yeah. And with the, with the Evmos EVM, is the idea here, because, you know, I think our, my mental model is, is very much attached to the Cosmos SDK model where, yeah. you know, the Cosmos SDK is meant to be able to launch, um, Tendermint BFT blockchains with, you know, different modules that allow you to do things that most blockchains, uh, would do, uh, is, is the idea with the Evmos e, uh, SDK, uh, to, uh, also be this way to launch application specific chains. So if, if I'm thinking of launching my own chain, I want to launch like a DeFi platform. I, I can say, I, I want to build it with the Cosmos SDK or I want to build it with the Evmos SDK because I think that my community will be more. There's like a sub um, specific difference in that regard. And, and, and yes, you're right. Um, well, Evmos allows you to build your own um, application specific block logic um, using like Cosmos SDK modules. The Evmos SDK will allow um, protocol developers to launch their EVM specific chains. Mm -hmm. um, through this concept of EVM extensions, custom precompiles, custom opcodes. Um, and so like taking the EVM itself, like the, um, which was traditionally maintained by Go Ethereum and, and the entire like Ethereum ecosystem, that, but taking it to a more modular general level that where you can change like all these uh, components internally so that you can have an EVM that is only allowing a chain to launch rollups on top. So you become the settlement layer for layer two rollups, which is something that we outline on our seven most blog post. Or you can have like um, an EVM that is specifically working for NFTs and you don't and you won't support any ERC20s, you won't support any other type of contracts other than the ones that support like NFTs, for example. And so you can define and customize this EVM based on your specific needs here. Um, and that's kind of like the goal of the SDK, uh, a way to create your own EVM specific change, your own EVM extensions. Um, and of course, uh, allowing developers and, and, and projects to leverage our um, technical expertise that we built at uh, Evmos um, to launch EVMs. So t tell me a little bit more about this Sevmos thing, because I, I was talking to Ismail, Ismail about it and like trying to figure out what is the use case that it serves. And so for listeners, uh, Sevmos is this Celestia-Evmos partnership uh, where data availability and consensus is provided by Celestia. The settlement layer is provided by Evmos. And then the execution layer would be some kind of ZK rollup or optimistic rollup. Uh, how does that compare to say, you know, when when making it when when a developer is faced with the with the design choice or the architecture choice of building uh, a, a, this this infrastructure, why would they use this particular uh, configuration over yeah. using so, fuel or using Ethereum on top of it on Celestia or something. So what what uh, Evmos SDK will allow, and, and I was using Evmos as a particular example of a specific like EVM specific chain targeted to layer two rollups. 
um, that will be specialized and only allow these configuration or these like extensions, so to say. Um, and these, um, in the end, is way more modular. It's way easier. Um, it has all the necessary infrastructure, like like RPCs, IVC, um, like um, EVM extensions that we will develop internally as a team. It will have like um, components like the um, like block explorer and basic infrastructure necessary to kickstart your project. And so. Through this like vision that we outlined initially of like cross chain that you will only be able to deploy once, you won't need to you won't need to um, build your ent these entire DeFi Legos on your chain, but you will be able to access them on other EVM chains in the Cosmos ecosystem and in the EVM ecosystem like Evmos, for example. You'll be able to use this infrastructure directly via IVC, so you can like quickly bootstrap your EVM chain using the Atmos SDK and through interoperability, get access to these money Legos that are so necessary for these uh, developers to build new use cases. Okay, and so so from that perspective, Sevmos is- Is an is example, not... like I was in, in this particular case I was naming Sevmos as an example of like yeah. how modular this Evmos SDK will be that will be a, not only an EVM for general purpose but for specific purposes built in a modular way where you would be able to define all these extensions, all the configurations for the SDK and all the rules that you would want for these um, EVM to fully work, I guess. Okay. So, but you but you see, it's like the the Sevmos stack. Uh, you see it as more as something that would be implemented like, on top of the Evmos SDK, right? But but what I mean is, will there be kind of a Sevmos settlement layer in like one place where people can build rollups, or do you think that Sevmos will be will have multiple instances and multiple deployments on top of Celestia because of I don't know, like I think spaces or. I think there will be multiple rollups with multiple settlement layers, and Sevmos mm. will be, I guess, one of the main EVM um, settlement layers on top of Celestia. Okay, but I think it's too early to tell. Um, it's yeah. like a project project that is like um, haven't hasn't been scoped out, and there's like a lot of question mark question marks there. Um, mm. But it's kind of like an ex like in order to get to Sevmos, we need to work on the modularity of the EVM. Yeah, first. and that's that's the first step that we're taking as an organization. So I, I guess my my other question, is, and this this kind of is something I've been thinking a lot about lately, is you know the the longevity of the EVM, and in, in I I think about it in in more you know. 10 to 20 year um, you know time horizons so if we look at the history of computing there have been programming languages or programming environments that have come and gone so you know if you talk to people our parents age they'll probably tell you that they were coding you know using cobalt and fortran and all these things and then you know yeah. in the 90s that was more like C and C++ and then later like web development technologies emerged. And every time we had 
improvements uh, in those development environments and the tooling and also in the security and all these things. Now, the EVM is known for having, you know, a number of design and architecture issues with it that cause it to be insecure and difficult to, uh, like, where the development environment and tooling is, uh, you know, has to do a lot of the work in terms of making sure contracts are um, are sort of secure. And, 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 and so there have been improvements there in the form of like Cosmosm, for example, that is secure by design where, you know, it's written in Rust, it's written in this strongly typed language that eliminates a lot of those issues. And when you think about blockchains in a more long term, you know, like 10, 15 year uh, time horizon, do you think that the EVM will still have stuck around by then? Or do you think it would have been phased out by newer, more modern, more secure and uh, just better development environments? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think in the future, and, and I'll tell you how I feel from a personal experience with the EVM, um, that in the future, um, the EVM will become another product. I think that Ethereum is keeping a lot of things as is because of backwards compatibility. But at Evmos, we see the EVM as a product that can be definitely be improved. And so um, we see ideas like implementing EWASM as a concrete example of how we can leverage uh, these newer technologies on a stack that is like already there with all the, um, with all the tools necessary for developers to build um, all these smart contracts and, and decentralized applications. I mean, EWASM uh, is mostly a dead project, is it not? Yeah, but um, for example, implementing the EVM directly on Cosmosm is something that would have the qualities uh, of a more modular stack like using Cosmosm while at the same time develop, uh, retaining the developer use the developer experience that the EVM currently has with all the developer toolings and having it be fully EVM compatible, compatible also for the wallet, so there won't be any migration, so like performance will be improved, and so yeah, that's how we see at Evmos like the EVM as a product where like there's like the EVM now and the EVM of the future will evolve into a, a more robust product as a whole. Um, and, 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 and at Evmos, we plan to uh, make such improvements. Like, and, and we are starting by doing the Evmos SDK, creating the best uh, EVM framework out there. And then EVM extensions as a first mechanism for developers to define their uh, additions to the EVM, which wasn't possible before. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's like, I don't know, I'm, it's not super clear to me what the, what the long term um, prospects are for, for any of this stuff, because I mean, we're still super early. I mean, you know, in terms of users, you know, I think there are as many people using crypto now as there were people on the internet in like 98, right? So, right. you know, it, it bears it bears reminding just how early things are and um and i think like technologies also will probably you know, some technologies will 
you know evolve others will maybe die out and right. like i think the evm has a lot of network effect and a lot of it does um, yeah it, it'll it, be the it javascript in some way where there are definitely more um new and uh new stocks or new frameworks that have better performance and better semantics in general um mm -hmm. But but that doesn't mean they'll get adopted, you know. Like there, there's exactly. also examples. There's also examples in history of things that you know were better and were uh, you know I think very much expected to outperform some of the other stuff. But the other stuff, you know, the older, less performance stuff stuck around, you know, until something else came around. I mean, yeah. Like just look at how long Java stuck around in, in the organ in, in big organizations and. Yeah, you know, it's still there's still a lot of Java in, uh, in bigger organizations in Java. Exactly, yeah. and and PHP and other languages that we yeah good thing that they are very very like sticky. no one is using them. Like the positions for those developers are highly demanded. Yeah, well, I mean, in the case of PHP, I, I think what it what that shows is I mean I don't know to what extent. I mean, from from my from from my viewpoint, it seems like PHP is basically maintained now to legacy to legacy infrastructure. Yeah. Well, I mean, to maintain WordPress, because like Word, like tons of websites are still built with WordPress, exactly. and people still build WordPress sites all the time. It's probably like the biggest user of PHP, and I think to some extent that's also perhaps what we will see in blockchain, where you know some languages, execution environments, and even chains will continue to exist to maintain. Uh, a, a specialized use case. I think I think that's it's likely to happen also with, uh, and you know, I've talked about this with other people as well. Is uh, some application specific chains, or sorry, some some smart general purpose smart contract chains that exist today, probably at some point will specialize to you know their 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 biggest use case or like their biggest application. But it, but it tells you a lot that a lot of um, chains nowadays are choosing the ABM as their preferred um, option for building a smart contract compatible blockchain um, because of these um, like developer ecosystem, developer tooling, developer kind of like network effects, as you were saying. Um, and uh, Ethermint, the library that we own and maintain has been one of the most successful EVM frameworks at the moment and and the next phase for that is building the Edmos SDK where you have like a EVM that is more performant, is fully interoperable, has more customizability, um, you can leverage extension, custom precompiles and, and like everything that you want for your custom EVM and, and in, in a way itself improve the EVM with these additions that are customizable but also the uh, lower level stack of the EVM can also be improved in the sense of uh, if, if you think of it as a product. Yeah. Well, that, that brings me to another point I wanted to discuss, uh, which is the, uh, the, the use of, of Ethermint uh, by other projects. And specifically, there's been like a lot of noise in the last couple of days and maybe weeks um, around Kanto having used Ethermint, right. and I haven't paid a whole lot of attention to like all this, all this drama. 
uh, but yeah, yeah, Canto was a project that I was looking at last summer and thought it was interesting. It was like talking to the team and, you know, I thought like, okay, this, this is a cool, uh, a, a cool chain that tries to solve something slightly different. Um, what, what are your thoughts in, about, you know, the use of Ethermint uh, by other projects, you know, leveraging open source technology that was built and funded by someone else to then go and build a competing product? Uh, it seems like it's a topic that a lot of people are discussing now. Yeah, it's a uh, very, I guess it's a trending topic and also in the sense that uh, public goods being maintained by teams um, is also something that impacts not only our our team, but also uh, teams like Confio, yeah. um, who after some time and they might be running out of cash um, and, and Confio for the ones that don't know, um, are the is the team behind uh, Cosmos awesome and, that, and that is widely used in the Cosmos ecosystem. And so it falls under like a strategy of the commons where like um, you have teams that are maintaining this critical infrastructure, but and, and a lot of teams are using it, but no one no one wants to like chip in or like contribute any sort of resources. And by resources, I don't only mean like financial resources, but also like engineers or uh, like co-marketing or partnerships or however you want to like go about it um but and and then that brings the question of like okay like whose responsibility is to maintain this um and and for our case like we we build this public good um which is the uh ethermin library as like the main framework for building evm chains on the cosmos ecosystem that we in some way resuscitated after no one taking proper care of it. And so we took it to production level. We dramatically improved the performance, um, its usability, et cetera. And so it became very clear that it was super easy to build new EVM compatible chains. Now, um, to your question of like this competition on like drama behind like Kanto being like an Evmos fork and um, like how is the Evmos community community reacting to Kanto's success? And I, th I think it's like in some degree a validation that our technology um, is in the, right, in, in the right path and that um, there's clear demand for this technology. I personally believe that Ethermint has been our most successful product so far. Um, it hasn't been Evmos, but it has been Ethermint, which is widely used. If you think about like all the uh, chains that are using uh, Ethermint right now, it's like uh, Kronos, Kava, Kanto, and like many other ones that are building uh, EVM specific chains. And so the, the right way to think about it is like, okay, how do you align these uh, projects that are using this critical infrastructure that is maintained by Evmos? And how does Evmos, um, the Evmos community benefit uh, from these other teams using this uh, critical infrastructure that we've uh, developed and maintained as well? It's not only that these teams don't necessarily contribute the proper amount of resources, but it's also the fact that you're saving them a ton of time, ton of engineering time of uh, things that they don't even need to take care of. Um, and so they spend the opportunity cost of e 
spending that amount of, hour, of man hours in building a, this critical infrastructure, they can use it on like build community or build like partnerships or, or, or do other uh, business related activities. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the main question from our community has been like, okay, how do we, like, how do you make this a, not a, not a zero sum game, but a positive sum game where like we, as a community, as Evmos community, we're also in some way benefited from the success of Kanto and from the success of other chains. Um, it's uh, like I have a an, uh, fun anecdote when the uh, FIFA World Cup was um, being displayed last year. Uh, my mom kind of reached out to me. It's like, oh, that is that Kronos, uh, like the EV, like the chain that is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> software that is like on the banner of the World Cup finals. Like, yeah, they're using our software. But like the thing is like, okay, like how do we how do we go about it? And it was like. Yeah, like, so this reflects, this is kind of like a way for us to kind of like, the Evmos SDK is a way for us to kind of like work on this alignment between all the different chains that are using our critical infrastructure that we develop. And for the Evmos community to directly benefit from um, the success of other chains that I use, uh, that are using this infrastructure. So let's talk about licensing then, because I think this is uh, a, a topic that also yeah. has come up recently. Um, what do yeah. you see as the right licensing model such that anybody can use the software that you're building because that is the, you know, the ethos of open source and that's the way exactly. it should be. And anybody can, uh, remix that software, build something else with it, improve upon it, etc. While still uh, generating revenue for that software that you're building, and you know, I think Confio is probably asking themselves that same question right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a subtle, a subtle but very significant difference um, between uh, open source and also free to use. Um, they're they're different in a way. So like the purpose of open source is not o not only op um, for using the code for free and allow forks and allow copies of the same software, but also for auditability purposes. So that yeah, people that know that there's like a blockchain know that the code is actually not removing any transactions or minting tokens for one specific address, whatever. So there is like that important point, and the other one is like free to use software. And and I think that the licensing model, um, like when we implemented Ethermint, we took the same license as Core Ethereum. Which uh, if you use Ethermint, you need to state that you're using there's like attribution, and then there's like um, any code changes need to be uh, upstream or need to be informed to the maintainer. And, and I guess like our error there was like assuming that all the chains that we're going to use Ethermint were in some way going to contribute in one way or, an or another to the to the further development of Ethermint, but it wasn't the case um, as we saw and, and, and from experience, except some minor 
cases, like for example, the guys from Crypto.org that are working on Kronos. Um, and it's been a pleasure working with them, for example. And the Emos SDK in some way, kind of like the way we're thinking about it is, is having the code be free to use. But if you're thinking of like adding this customizability or adding these um, additional components on top, you, you will need to align in, in some way or another with the Evmos community. And by aligning, it doesn't mean like, for example, paying us, the core team, but aligning in some way with um, the Evmos holders. For example, like no one has, none of the teams that have um, used the software have, uh, for example, made an airdrop to token holders. Um, as far as I remember, at least, um, or or come up with a different proposal, at least for aligning these two communities um, that may have like similar components, but like with some like one or two differentiating factors. Um, so I think like that alignment of communities to prevent this year in some game is really important. I really believe that the code should be open source for these auditability purposes that I just mentioned. And, and yeah, yeah, I think the way to move forward and the way to prevent uh, events like we're seeing right now with Confio where they're running out of money because of no one wants to pay for this critical infrastructure. I mean, um, that's insane to me. Like, the, 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 the fact that Confio as a ecosystem overall. Yeah, the fact that Confio uh, you know, has to take these measures and sort of you know, make a lot of noise around the fact that they're no longer funding any public goods and no longer funding, exactly. uh, you know, their, their own software at the, the, the level of integration within cosmos and also the value that has been created for, created for the cosmos ecosystem by Cosmosm, I, I feel like is, is, is insane. It's insane that they, they weren't able, they have not been able to get funding from like at, at, a, at least the ICF. There's a question of like who should be should we, who should be funding these initiatives, and I think um, a lot of these initiatives come from like either the Cosmos Hub community through like a grant or a community pool, like was the initial case of, of Cosmos awesome and and also like Ethermin in our case, and uh, the the way for these community. The, there were, like the way that we try to align with the Cosmos Hub was like through the airdrop and through like um, collaborating directly, like uh, the airdrop directly for core contributors on for the Evmos um, stakers and LPD as we as we outline in our airdrop, um, yeah, rules and um, but. Going forward, the question is like, who should be paying for this? And I think like there needs to be some way to align these communities together so that we prevent this case. Yeah, uh, I guess the the question that's on everyone's mind, or at least on this viewer's mind, is uh, how will the Evmos SDK benefit? Evmos holders, and you know, I think my question there would be like, how would this licensing and this fee model that you guys are thinking about um, benefit Evmos holders? Is the idea here to have some value flow back to 
uh, Atmos holders in addition to funding the software? Yeah, so the to be to be fair, they're, they're like internally at the team we're still thinking different ways of aligning. Um, but yeah, the the whole core the core principle of this is like the community should should benefit directly from the success of other EVM chains. And uh, and, and and to the that question is like one will the Atmos SDK benefit Atmos holders? The answer is yes. How is like still up in the air? Um, but for example, the airdrops could be one potential idea, um, like enforcing this license through airdrop. Um, like if you launch a new production chain using our software, you need to like airdrop some tokens. But that's an idea that it's still up in the air and still needs to be discussed and etc. And other ideas um, are contributing resources. There are teams that are already contributing to the development of Ethermint and in general the EVM, etc., participating in the discussions, uh, fixing bugs or reviewing PRs, whatever. Um, and so I don't think the level of alignment, I mean, because they are already contributing, I don't think that they should be paying the price for the ones that are currently not aligning. So in that sense, there could be some like tiering system like or uh, for these like Atmos SDK. Um, as I said, like the how is still up in the air, but the if... Like, will Evmos benefit Evmos? Will the SDK benefit Evmos holder? The answer is yes. Well, that's good to hear uh, because, uh, you know, as an Evmos holder, I think we've all kind of felt the pain of uh, the, the price having uh, been so affected in the last couple of months. And uh, definitely you know, love to see the, um, yeah, we'd love to see the, the, the entire ecosystem sort of come back up again. And, you know, this is definitely part of that. I think that, uh, I mean, like token prices aside, we're, uh, we're being able to, sorry. No, yeah, sorry. Um, we're a community of builders and we'll keep building like this core infrastructure that is powering Evmos and other EVM chains on Cosmos. And so we're open to suggestions from the community. We're constantly listening to, listening to the community in our community calls. And I, th I believe that we have one today and uh, our governance calls and, and we're very active on Twitter and Discord and Telegram. Um, so you can reach out to us or to the moderators if you have any particular feedback or suggestions of how we should go about this call, like Evmos SDK. Um, so happy to hear any, any, any feedback on that regard as well. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to follow up here on the roadmap, but you know, since you brought up governance, uh, I'll first ask you about this. So what, you know, the Edmos governance, and I think more generally Edmos community, uh, discussions around governance has been really interesting to watch and like, it's very vibrant and, you know, there, there's, uh, there's a, really broad community of people that are participating in these discussions. I sometimes sit in on some of these governance calls or the, you know, the Twitter spaces that you're doing. And there's like, there's a lot of really interesting discussions. There's also been some like messy stuff lately 
don't want to get into like the details there. People can go look that up. But what have you learned, you know, from, from you know, since Evmos was launched and having to reason about, you know, community governance and having to yeah. you know, satisfy the expectations of lots of different people? What, what have you learned through this process? Yeah. Um, so Evmos is one of the most active communities on Commonwealth, which is this platform for blockchains that are have like some form of governance either through a token or like a, on, on our case, like you can create different type of proposals. Yeah. And um, it's been very bright, vibrant in the way, in the sense that there is a lot of holders, not only validators that are actively voting and expressing their opinion and participating in the discussion and on, on this cause. And so like that has been, um, a huge validation for our not only our community team but also to like the entire community. Um, um, so like Matt, props to them for fostering such a such a like interest in in our governance overall. Um, that being said, there's like certainly a lot of processes that had to be implemented as some sort of like guidelines to prevent different types of behavior um, that may be a little bit conflictive at, at times. Um, but overall, like the community is very receptive. It's very like we have chats with validators where they express their opinion and, and, and we can debate ideas. And so in that regard, it's like very positive. Um, the yeah a lot of people are very opinionated i must say but it's i guess it's part of governance it happens in real life with politics and so i i wouldn't expect it to be different and and you know decentralized way uh on blockchains yeah it is extremely opinionated sometimes and uh it's sometimes a bit hard to follow but yeah it's exactly. certainly exciting um, yeah, I want to talk about the roadmap a little bit because there's a lot of really cool stuff here. I mean, there's a lot on this roadmap, so I'll show it up here on the screen. Uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that you're most, I, well, I'll tell you what I'm most excited about here. So I think the liquid staking, of course, is super interesting, interesting accounts, you know, that, you know, just generally in Cosmos, I think is something that, um, that's an explore design territory there. Um, especially it's such an unexplored territory, interchain yeah. accounts and smart contracts, account obstruction as well, together with interchain accounts. It's such an explored territory. And um, I think we're- so Maybe let's describe interchain, uh, or sorry, uh, account extraction, because I think most people uh, in the audience maybe are not familiar with. It's a term that I only became familiar with uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, it's something that uh, Ethereum chains are, are implementing Gnosis Chain is implementing it. Actually, when Federica was on the on the podcast recently, uh, she talked about it. But essentially, it is making every account a smart contract, right? So that you can have, you know, permissions, recovery, all sorts of things. Can you can you dive a bit deep deeper here into what that enables? Yeah. So, um, Evmos itself already implements this concept of like accounts like a general purpose account, like we call it like an Ethereum based, like an, an Ethereum account where you can, it can either be a smart contract or it can either like be an externally owned account on EOA. Mm. 
Um, so account obstruction means like paired with interchain accounts means uh, you will be able as a user or as a smart contract, be able to uh, manage your accounts in the interchain. Um, and by accounts, taking this concept of account abstraction means that you will be able to manage uh, externally owned accounts like individual user accounts or other smart contracts. Yeah. Which uh, will allow you to have this concept of like going back to the original, like, um, discussion that we had about um, multi-chain, like where you have like multiple instances of the same uh, smart contract or that versus like uh, cross-chain where you have like a single instance that now is available in the entire ecosystem via IVC and interoperability. This will allow these smart contracts to have their accounts controlling certain behavior on the smart contracts via interchain accounts. And so this will open like new possibilities for these smart contracts. Again, enabling like true composability, et cetera, and, and true interchain composability. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat concept. Like I think if the, the best way to, uh, the, the best way to sort of see how this is implemented is through something like Argent, which is a, an Ethereum wallet that does social exactly. recovery and that implements the account as a smart contract. Account abstraction generalizes this concept at the chain level and makes it... What, what's really cool about this is that it, it essentially turns the account into an asset. So you could have an, an account, that account could be owned, say, by like one, one key or a set of keys in a multi-sig fashion. And that entire account could then be transferred over to another set of keys, controlled by another set of keys entirely without having to move the assets in it. So the use cases for that are just like incredible. So for instance, I mean, the base, most basic use case is if you have a company or any sort of organization that holds crypto yeah. and, you, and, and you, you, know, you have to set up a wallet and you have to set up keys and whatever, you want to sell that company. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, the, like transferring yeah. delegations, transferring... Not only right, funds. like you would have to, you'd have to set, you'd have to, you'd have to kind of unwind all of that, move it to another account because the people, the, the you know the new organization, the new management would have access to those keys. With this, you can just kind of disconnect those permissions and then reconnect new permissions for someone else. I think the, the applications for this are just massive. You can also sell entire portfolios. Uh, say you have like a portfolio of exactly. NFTs and those things are staked and I don't, like, like there's all this kind of stuff that's winded in there. You can just sell that entire account to uh, exactly so you know. like by by leveraging account abstraction together with interchain accounts i think Edmos will be uniquely positioned not only as an evm chain but as a like a a chain in general in this like interchain ecosystem um that will enable like new use cases for these developers so talk a little bit about the EVM extensions. What what are those? That's a new concept, I think, from most Yeah. People. So I I talked a little bit about this in, in uh cost members last year in Colombia. It was in Spanish, so I um so I didn't uh, like dive into like the specific concept of uh 
uh, stateful precompiles, but the EVM extensions basically will allow, together with the Atmos SDK, will allow developers to um, create new use cases to connect directly with Cosmos module or Cosmos specific logic. And um, for example, our first EVM extension that we will launch is the uh, staking precompile and the ICS20 like interchain transfers. So this will allow smart contracts um, to be able to stake. And so we'll enable new, a new generation of liquid staking derivatives, like for example, Lido could come and deploy their liquid staking derivative directly on Evmos by leveraging this EVM uh, staking extension. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, the main problem that we see right now with uh, EVM uh, bridges is uh, they're not able to reach other um, chains in the Cosmos ecosystem because the EVM uh, bridges or EVM bridges are not IBC enabled. And so, for example, uh, a bridge like Seller could use this ICS20 uh, EVM extension to directly route the tokens to Osmosis or to uh, Cosmos Hub, et cetera, and automatically convert them to the IBC format. So this will enable like smart contracts to become IBC dApps in some way as well. So not only access to Cosmos components, but also allow them to build um, IBC dApps, which was something that wasn't possible before uh, due to the uh, constraints that you had to build your own uh, IVC application module on your own chain. But now applications can also uh, participate in this uh, development of IVC enabled applications. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like so much potential here, I think, uh, to I think I think building in a lot we're of the core functionality on the chain. We're enabling IVC to a generation of developers that know Solidity but haven't been exposed to IVC yet. So imagine yeah. the potential that you have having all the people that build the most successful DeFi apps on Ethereum and uh, NFT apps, etc., to build their own. IVC enabled apps on Atmos using EVM extensions. And in the future, it will also be available uh, on the Atmos SDK, again, for these uh, projects that align directly with uh, Atmos holders. Uh, super cool. And then what's this simple agreement for funding upload? Yeah, um, so SAFU is a model, like a security model for like a security agreement for um, white hat hackers. So when we talk about security vulnerabilities, there are like two classification. Um, So one is like an active vulnerability, which is what happened with Noman, when you had like these, everyone rushing to get some tokens and you had like multiple hackers. Some of them are white hat, some of them are malicious hackers. Um, And so there's like a lot of legal uncertainty, lack of clarity from the team. And so, Having this like SAFU agreement um, that you you can also access today in our on our security section on our repository and our documentation, um, you can 
basically connect directly with these um, with these applications. Okay. Uh, what what else are what else in the roadmap are you particularly excited about? Your your video is cut, by the way. Um, oh, can yeah. you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but um, there's okay. no signal. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a new setup, so yeah, of course, there's there's going to be some issues with it. So, yeah. uh, good thing I've got a backup webcam. But yeah, what what else are you uh, what else are you particularly interested in? Um, or like very excited about so i think like something that has been overlooked in the because I, I i talked to i've given already two interviews about this um about the roadmap on in general our manifesto is uh the atmos dap store which is like gonna be a new mechanism for uh for users to interact with the applications on Atmos and they'll be able to, we'll have created content, we'll have like a mechanism for them, uh, for the leaderboards of these different decentralized applications. Um, you'll be able to see like, okay, if you connect your wallet uh, and you've used like certain smart contracts on Atmos, uh, we can also recommend you. And of course, if you opt into the suggestions, you'll be able to, um, like we will be able to provide you some recommendations on other applications that you should be trying or like suggested apps. You will be able to pin and, and, and review applications, see like the descriptions available. Developers will be able to publish their applications. And so it's a lot, it's a lot to digest, but I think it will be powerful for the overall user experience of, of Atmos. Excellent. Well, um, I think we'll, We'll wrap it up there. Thanks so much for coming on again. You're officially the uh, the guest that has been on the interrupt the most. <laughs> this is your <laughs> third <guess> time. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing this roadmap uh, play out and excited to see the future of Asmos as a, I'm going to call it a cross-chain hub between, inter, between the internet chain and the EVM. That's that's my. Uh, that's the way I'm going to describe it from now on. Yeah, I'm definitely really excited for what's to come, and uh, thank you everyone from the community for listening in and, and always supporting us. Um, yeah, we we are a chain that has less than a year, where we build like most of the critical infrastructure for this to work, and now 2023 is going to be the year that. We'll be we'll be launching like our real functionalities. Um, we'll be launching these like vision uh, and enabling this vision of like true interoperable smart contracts. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, well, you may have noticed that this episode is on a Tuesday, where typically I do episodes on Thursday. That's because there's so much stuff going on in the space that I think I'm constraint or like sort of obliged now to do two episodes a week so i'm not holding myself to the schedule when there's going to be some extra things that i really want to get out there as quickly as possible i might do an extra episode on tuesday uh regular episodes will be on on thursdays but you know this this was 
seems so important that I, yeah, I, I couldn't wait until, you know, whenever in March when I have, uh, when I have. Yeah, I have fun, so, yeah. And thank you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And if you do, if you, if you enjoy this content, please consider staking with Interop. Uh, we're live on, on Evmos and also on Quicksilver. See you next week or see you on Thursday. See you next time.